Hi there, Jack McLean here and welcome to Prepare Like a Pro Live Chats. Prepare Like a Pro is a business that I created earlier in the year. We are a strength and conditioning business, working with male and female, developing footballers all over the country. We're based in Melbourne and we specialise at structuring athletic development programs as well as physical preparation for off-season, pre-season and in-season training. I'd like to welcome Andy Otten tonight for our chat. I don't know Andy. He is a former AFL player uh, who played for the LA Crows for 12 years from 2008 to 2019, playing 109 games. In 2007, Andy achieved strong results in the NAB AFL draft camp, where he ranked in top 2% for the vertical jump, top 10% agility, top 20% in the beep test. Uh, and was Adelaide's second round draft pick. He had a promising start to his career where he debuted in the first season and came second in the AFL Rising Star in his second season. Unfortunately, Andy's career was interrupted due to two ACL injuries where he missed the 2010 and 2015 seasons. However, he bounced back very well from those injuries and got back into the team. His versatility was a real strength. He was able to play predominantly down the back line, but also chipped out in the ruck and helped out a forward line as well. And he won the award um, for his willingness in 2013. So he could play, he won that award for playing any role in the team. And he has recently retired and has completed a degree in sports science, human movement, where he's looking to potentially study masters of teaching or masters of physio. And he has joined the Hawks coaching staff. This is where I met Andy last year. And earlier this year, he served as the head coach for the Hawthorne Seconds during the COVID hub challenge. So really interested to talk about Andy's journey as well as the challenges of 2020 in the hub. I'm just gonna send another request, guys. Bear with us. There he is. G'day Andy. How you going, mate? Hey, good thanks, Jack. How are you, mate? You rocking the power boots as well? I am, mate. The, the athletes favorite, these ones. So I reckon they're better than the AirPods. Yeah, I haven't quite shipped to the AirPods yet. I like these bad boys. Thanks for joining us, mate. No, no worries. Thanks for having me, mate. We'll get cracking into it. I'm keen to start back at the beginning. What age did you fall in love with the game football? And at what point did you recognise this is something I'm going to pursue for, for a career? Yeah, I guess um, just early days, I did the, I was, I'm so old, it was called the, um, Vic Kick back in the day. Um, my older brother was Vic down Kick. at the local park uh, in Vic Kick and I'd always bugged dad to join in. So he let me uh, join in with my older brother. I kind of played really early with his under 10s team. I had to wait two years to catch up to my age groups. I think I had about four years of uh, playing under 10s. Um, then oh, awesome. grew up in, uh, just in Box Hill actually, yeah, playing for the Whitehorse Colts, um, which was lots of fun. Yeah. And yeah, I just juggled footy and basketball my whole um, childhood. So I really enjoyed playing basketball as well. And probably year 10 and the 16s, played both, got made into the Oakley Chargers squad as well in the under 16s. And I was, yeah, made a state squad. I didn't make the side, but I made the squad and I thought, I think, uh, I was improving pretty rapidly. I think I was pretty state, tall. Is that state ball for basketball or for football? No, for footy. Yeah. I made the squad, didn't quite make the team, but then I kind of realised I was improving pretty quickly and then played uh, under 18s for Oakley Chargers, bottom age. And we made the grand final that year and, and did really well. I was still playing basketball pretty competitively this, at this stage, um, playing a bit championship, played some senior basketball as well and the VBL. And so I was kind of still juggling both. And then I got invited to a AIS as like an extra in like, yeah, 2006. So I went along to the AIS camp for footy and I kind of thought, I think um, 
I should put all my effort in year 12 to, to just yeah. play footy. And, and yeah, and, and I improved a fair bit during the year as well and then lucky enough to get drafted. Fantastic. And that decision, was that a gut instinct to shift towards footy over basketball? Was it guided by mentors? Where, how did you come to that decision? I think just a little bit of reality, you know, <laughs> to, to make it in basketball is pretty unlikely. I, mean, I, I probably was, I was pretty good at basketball. I think my footy ability overpassed my basketball ability. And then a few people kind of said, I think you're a chance getting drafted, mate. You should quit playing basketball because I, I was juggling a lot of sport and, and school commitments as well. So I was pretty buggered when I was yeah. in year 11 and then realised I, I couldn't do everything. I made a yeah, conscious effort to, to put my head down and yeah, try footy and not try, but I was obviously still playing. I put all my fits into footy because I, you know, a few people around me said, you know, I think you're a chance to get drafted. Yeah, fantastic. What attributes do you think basketball has helped? It seems like a few footballs have gone down that path. Yeah, I think definitely uh, the quick hands in terms of defence, getting hands on balls and just those little handball games. I think basketball set you up for that. A really quick lateral movement, strong in my legs and my, my body, you know, boxing out in basketball, playing defence, yep. always in that kind of squatted position and moving and reacting really quickly. I think that really helped. And then you know, you're in the air a lot in basketball, jumping, um, rebounding, going through layups and that kind of thing. I think really helped with my um, athleticism as well and just developed, yeah. helped develop my athleticism as well. Yeah. So, you, yeah, because you ranked well in the vertical jump, do you think the basketball was a strong contributor for, for helping you with that? Because it is quite a rebounding movement pattern, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. You know, playing basketball from such a young age, I was probably training three or four nights a week basketball and three or four nights oh, wow. a week uh, footy as well. So I think they um, both had really good crossover. And then when you, you know, got a bit older and like you said, I did a bit of study on how pattern recognition and small side of games really help evolve and have a really good crossover in different sports and, and basketball footy definitely have a really strong correlation of you know, pattern recognition, you know, zones and all that kind of stuff as well. Really, a lot of crossover. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting point. And you mentioned that you're, you're interested in teaching as well and potentially doing physio and you're currently a coach. At what age would you say for developing footballers? Could you go from that generalist approach where you're exposing yourself to different sports and then and then take the plunge like you did? So you sounds like you did in your last in your draft year where you committed to footy. Yeah, Do you think that was um, the right age or is there an age or is it individual? It's funny. So I just read a, a book called Range by uh, David Epstein who talks about this theory. Um, that he goes to athletes, he uses Tiger Woods who just played the one sport from when he was pretty much two years old and his dad really pushed him into golf. And then you got Roger Federer who played um, you know, every sport on the sun, soccer, badminton, table tennis, and along with tennis till he was, I think, 14 or 15, and then switched over to tennis. So um, there's no right way or wrong way. You know, I think if you do specialise too early, it can promote fatigue as well in, in athletes when they get to that teenage years. I think just doing what you enjoy. So I think if you enjoy playing multiple sports, then definitely keep playing as many sports as you can and, and as time permits. You know, I love basketball. My best friends play basketball and, you know, I kind of grew up with this same side from under 10s all the way through to under 18s. And uh, yeah, I, I, I probably enjoyed playing basketball slightly more than footy, but I think I yeah, was right. getting better at footy. You know, even whilst my whole playing career, I'd always, in the off-season, sneak in a game or two before my knees were stuffed and I had to be a bit more careful. Yeah, I'd go down the park a fair bit and shoot some hoops with some yeah. mates. But yeah, back to you, the, what you're saying, the, the, the correlation of when you choose to decide what sport you want to choose, you know, don't make that too early because, you know, a lot of sports, you have great crossover in terms of uh, development. Yeah. And have you had strong influences along, like people that have influenced you, your career all the way through from junior footy to, to senior footy and now as a coach? Are there guys that 
pop up straight away in your head that stand out for you? Or is it someone that you've always had a volume of different people that help you in your life with, with advice and things? Yeah, I think it just evolves as, as my journey uh, went through. Like obviously, younger days, my dad coached me um, pretty early on. I was pretty hard on me. The old man, was, me and my yeah. really good mate, he was really hard on us two. We were probably the, the better two players, but he always let us two cop it before anyone else. <laughs> I think, yeah, I've got two, two brothers as well, younger brother and older brother. And you know, we, were, we were very competitive out in the backyard. Um, I think Max's Max's jumped on. I saw Max yeah, I did see him there. Little yeah, brothers yeah, jumped on, yeah. but you know, we we Max used to kick it out to to me and my older brother, and Max used to come and try and join in. And that was basketball and footy, and really any sport in the backyard. Yep, yep. But yeah, so obviously, my, my old man and a couple of younger footy coaches, and then when I did make it across to Adelaide, Alan Stewart was the head of development, and he really he, he was a bit of a legend over in Adelaide. Coached Central Districts, was a head recruiter at Port Adelaide for quite a few years, and he kind of taught me. You know how to be professional, how to train hard, and then a lot about perception. How you know someone's perception is reality, and when you're young, you want to create a really good perception and a really good base knowledge of what it takes to be an AFL player. And you know, Neil Craig was my first coach, and he was a strong sports science background and really strong and, and trained yeah. the mind, being ruthless, always testing uh, your physical capabilities through just strenuous exercises and everything's competitive got- with Craigie. Have you got any examples what Craigie would do? Drills or? Yeah, my, so I got drafted on a Saturday morning. Back in the day, I had a few mates over listening to it on the radio. And then I was on a plane on the Sunday and I did a three hour footy session with the main group on Monday. Paddy Dangerfield was there and and we were all just like looking at each other. It's like, I cannot believe this. And we finished this session. we, We thought we were done and come over here, young fellas. And we walked over and we had to do this bike session. <laughs> and Charlie Walsh was our, did these bike programs and he was like an ex-Australian bike coach. <laughs> and like oh, Dangerfield collapsed on his bike. <laughs> so everyone was throwing up. And then we had these famous Saturday morning sessions as well. Mount Lofty in Adelaide is this big hill and we had to ride up, 10K ride up Waterfall Gully Road and run up Mount Lofty. And we did that yeah. coming down. He's like, yep, and again. And, all right, jumped back on the bikes and ran all the way up. He's like, and again, we did it three times. One of the players collapsed on the top of Mount Lofty and we had to get an ambulance. So, Seriously? Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, we were there like four hours. It was the longest session ever. But yeah, Craig, it was, it was massive on training the mind. Pushing, <laughs> training the mind, yeah, pushing the boundaries. Yeah. And how did the sports science element come into it? I had a few injuries and I was kind of <laughs> Eddie Betts. Hey, Eddie, how are you, mate? A few injuries and I was kind of really interested in, you know, what, why was I doing this rehab, what happened, what caused these injuries and then interest kind of grew to, I was thinking of doing a physio degree and you couldn't do that part-time. So I thought I can chip away <laughs> Cam, Cam Alex Shulman as well, next teammate, said hello. So I thought oh, I'll do exercise sports science because I could, I could do a master's of teaching if I wanted to at the end. Yeah. Um, and as I was doing the degree, kind of the teaching element kind of came in, a couple of mates became teachers. And those kind of head of sport roles at, at schools kind of interested in me as well. So that I keep my options open and chip away whilst you're, you're playing. It is, it is hard to find time for that. But I was made a conscious effort to train and then study as well. And on the days off and the half days kind of having to find the time to study as well. So I was a busy boy for, for a few years. Yeah, absolutely. You've now completed the degree and you've gone from, you know, seeing from the, the player's lens now to the coach's lens. What are some of the, the big differences that you've noticed now that you're working at the back end in the coaching side of things? 
Yeah, good question. I think, you know, you, as a coach, you want them to do more. I think sometimes you remind yourself, like, it was bloody hard, <laughs> these yeah. training sessions and, and repeatability and, and getting up. You know, remind some of the other coaches as well to be now a bit longer than me. You know, it's pretty tough work out there, boys, as well. But yeah, I think being recently retired, you get a, a good scope of, you know, what's needed and, and coming from a different club, kind of knowing what worked at Adelaide when I was there and now at seeing a new club like Hawthorne, I was my first year development coach kind of fly on the wall, just seeing how it all um, went about it, see how Clark went about it. You know, it was, it was a very interesting year. I loved it. Yeah. What a first year to have as a coach. I know. It was, yeah, it was chaotic. I was, you know, getting, I was going to play at Box Hill, obviously, with you. Yeah. Um, yep. Down there, kind of got fit, kind of, we were timing our pre-season perfection just as games yeah. started. I felt like I was finally um, fit enough and ready to go. And then COVID hit, I was like, oh, I've got fit for nothing. What a, what a yeah. waste. <laughs> That feels like a lifetime ago. It I know, like... doesn't it? <laughs> and how was 2020? What were the what were the biggest challenges? What were the joys? I know you you took reins of the is the pigeons. Is that right? So yeah, so I think the the biggest challenge was obviously going to the hubs. I had two young kids. I had uh, little Noah was born during the first COVID break in in April there, and then Mayla, another uh, daughter of mine, she's just turned two. So we had two young kids. And then going to hub life it was very challenging. I went up to Sydney and left my wife and two kids at home. Been really hard. Yeah. Very tough for her. And then you know, we were in Coogee Beach in Sydney. And it was yeah. uh, screamers on day screw. And you know, she's FaceTiming. I'm on at the beach at Coogee and probably didn't go too well back home. But then yeah, they joined me up in Queensland and then met the boys in Adelaide. What was the gap for how long have you not seen your family for? I was lucky. I had three and a half weeks. Oh, just on four weeks, sorry, in the end. The Hawthorne went to Perth and I missed that hub. So I, I went to um, Queensland and did the, my family met me. I came down, sorry, to Melbourne for a day, back up to Queensland, quarantined there for two weeks, and then we joined the team in, in Adelaide. Right, yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, three and a half weeks is a long time away from a newborn. Yeah, it was. I was just, yeah, felt felt for the missus and you couldn't get people around to help either, which is, was probably the hardest part of yeah. it all. But yeah, and then the hub life, I got to coach the, the young you know, the, the reserves team and they adopted yep. uh, the name the Pigeons. They called themselves the Pigeons, which is, it was so awesome to be part of. It was pretty tough. Yeah, they were playing 14 v 14 all the times. And then you know, some game, yep, 14 v 14. And when we played GWS and had the injury in the warm up. So yeah. uh, literally the game about to start and we had to give them another player. And, you know, the boys had to play for the other team quite a few times. And so I felt like my role was more coaching their morale and trying to get them up for these, you know, I didn't want them to think of it as a Mickey Mouse game. I wanted to really take it seriously. And you know, our goal was to get as many of these guys into the AFL team as quickly yeah. as possible. And we kind of made that a bit of an effort. And, you know, one week there was four of them. Next week there was three. And the week awesome. after that there was another four. So we're kind of trying to give them that goal to, you know, these games are important to, to put yourself forward to, to play AFL and, and don't waste this opportunity. And this year even. So, you know, we're, we're really big on that. And, and the boys were outstanding like they could have gone the other way and, and kicked up a stink but they didn't i think it shows the kind of group we've got at hawthorne definitely and they really got around it and then you know we saw some a lot of reward with these young guys getting games throughout the year and it was really exciting to see yeah and it looked like they were transitioning very well as well we did a good job prepping them like they seemed to play really good footy and keep their spot in the side what were did the sort of schedule look like did, with, with the reserves games did you play like 10 games five you mentioned there were smaller numbers but how many games were the boys been able to play if they didn't play AFL? I think we got 11 games in in the end. So that's pretty we good. We kind of played a couple in Melbourne, three in Sydney, which is really good. We, every time the AFL boys had a game, we had a game, which is great. In Perth, they couldn't play because they were in quarantine. And then in Adelaide, it got a little bit tricky as well. 
in those five, we had that condensed fixture when we were in Adelaide. We had five games in 20 days, kind of four or five-day break. So we had to kind of, we played Port a couple of times and it was very unique. We played Port in Adelaide, split their side up. Some of them played for Hawthorne, some of them played for Port Adelaide. And then we did that again, but it was just Adelaide and Hawthorne players playing as Port, which is pretty funny. Obviously, my yeah. old club, um, so I knew a few of the players quite yeah, well, coach. which was fun. And then coaching them and all the all the Adelaide staff. So it was pretty, a bit of a roundabout way for me. But yeah, we try to get as many games as possible and the boys are really well. Fantastic. And off-season as a coach, what, what does that look like? What, what is it, What's sort of your focus at the moment? Usually, when the season finished, well, I think Clark was pretty keen to get home, so we didn't hang around or anything. So the last few weeks we've been in doing some review stuff. You know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, pretty casual. And then this week we've been planning for our pre-season and getting ready. I think we're going to have a week off next week to, to freshen up again now that everything's kind of opening up a little bit. A few of the coaches want to get away for a little bit. And then, yeah, the boys are back December 7, which is um, we've got two weeks with the young guys, which will be exciting. Awesome. Yeah, it's coming around. Fantastic. What was your biggest challenge as an AFL player in your career? Yeah, I had quite a few along the way. My career definitely wasn't. Um, as smooth sailing as I would have hoped. Definitely a roller coaster ride. I did, yeah. you know, two knee recos spring to mind, but you know, I think the the standout, you know, our coach passed away, Phil Walsh. Of course. You know, was was murdered during our football season halfway through and that was as a club it was just a gut wrenching moment. So I think that it, it galvanized us, but it was just it was just heartbreaking for everyone at the time. So that was mm. a, a definitely hard time for the club. But yeah, personally it was probably the the injuries that kind of kept managing up as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, questions just come through. <laughs> is this a mate? Could be. Who's that? How do you keep your beard looking so good? No, Crimpy Tom. I don't know who that is. I'm not sure, Crimpy Tom. I just give it a trim every now and then. I, it gets a bit long sometimes and I get sick of it. But a um, bit of a trim, just get the line looking nice. Rossi's just joined, go Rossi. No, nothing much to it, mate. I'm pretty basic, <laughs> to be honest, yep. unfortunately. Yep. The, another question from Tyler. Who is your hardest player that you played on? Hardest opponent, sorry. Stevie Johnson. I remember I had to play him in 09 at, at Skilled Stadium, Clinia Park, and Craigie gave me a roll on him, and he was just never seen a player run harder when Geelong had the ball <laughs> or scream yeah. for it as loudly as he No matter where I was, he would just scream for the ball. If I'd run to go get a kick, he would run to the other side of the oval and just get like someone else to take me. So if we turned it over, I was like, oh, God, where is he? And any time I tried to check him, he'd... He tried to brawl me as well. <laughs> so we had a few wrestles and, and yeah, he, he was unbelievable. Just talent, smarts, trying to outwit me all the time. It was hard to be definitely on my game the whole, the whole time. Yep. And then this one's another one, a reference to your playing from Cam. What was your biggest surprise about being at, like, once you became an AFL player, what was your biggest surprise? Biggest surprise? Just like when I was obviously young, naive, went interstate to play for Adelaide and just, remember just the first week I was going to bed at like six o'clock at night. I was just so exhausted and just learning how to be a professional athlete. You know, I'd just been in high school all year, training, eating what I wanted, you know, just playing for Oakley. All of a sudden, you know, the the diet, the sleep, you know, the, the good habits of, of training. And luckily we had some really great leaders to learn off. Simon Goodwin was there, Andrew McLeod, Ben Rutten, Nathan Box. So we had some, some great leaders that teach you the right way about it so that was definitely a shock to the system early on i think now they're better at the young kids have a better understanding just with you know i think a bit of the social media stuff they get access to see what it's like and then the 
train these young guys get now through this, you know, sports, sports science, you know, even weights coach. We didn't even have a weights coach really at Oakley. Just a couple of curls at the end yep. of training if you wanted to. Um, you know, they're a lot more professional now, which I think is really great. So that the, the leap isn't as large. But when back in my day, it was, it was a massive leap. Um, it was more just, you know, talented kids playing. But now they come in, you know, they've been in weights for a few years, already ripped, yep. been in the gym, you know, Ready really aerobic really good aerobic base as well which none of us really had back in my days so we were well behind good extra running sessions extra gym sessions extra footy yeah. sessions just to catch up you see um, a lot of the kids these days have a few of those tipped off already and you mentioned it's changed a fair bit to, you know those grueling three-hour sessions for your first session probably wouldn't happen for a first-year boy i can't imagine <laughs> most clubs now but is is that the biggest change you've seen throughout your career is load management or or is there other areas that stand out to mind as that you've seen yeah, the game develop? That'd be a big one, the load management of the young guys coming in. Neil Craig's philosophy was sink or swim. And it's, yep. it's okay if they get injured when they're early, they'll learn how to do rehab properly and then get eager to come back into the squad. So these days they do get eased into it. I remember, you know, the first, I saw Darcy Fogarty just joined when he got drafted, he would have just come in and done the warm up for maybe the first drill and that would have been it for, for a week or so just to ease into it. Yeah, um, yeah. Which I think is a good thing. And a bit, sometimes I wish, you know, if, if they're right, let them go. Yeah, that definitely springs to mind. But just the, the access they get to now to all these, you know, the mental skills training, I think, developed over the years, you know, which I put a pretty high price on as well. I think, you know, yeah. if I was a young kid, I'd be tapping into that space a lot earlier because I think it's really prevalent um, and important for young athletes to understand, to build resilience, to be mentally tough and, and, and prepared. Because I think, you know, I've seen so many players that are highly talented get drafted they they can't mentally get over you know training hard or, or that kind of thing to, to kind of push themselves to the next level so i think that's yep. a massive area young kids can definitely improve in because i think it's really important the best players are the you know the most resilient and have the most mental strength as well i think absolutely yeah and then last question from the guys is from emmanuel favorite moment throughout your career i think winning the prelim in 2017, we beat Geelong and just the euphoria after that, knowing we were going to play in the grand final the next week was, it was an unbelievable feeling. Obviously, the granny didn't go at all to plan, but getting to experience that whole week from winning the prelim, the excitement, the parade, even I remember running out to the ground, grand final day, was I could get goosebumps just thinking about it. And of yeah, course, of course. We, we didn't play very well or, or win, but being involved in that week was definitely a highlight. I would have loved the icing on the cake, but not everything can go to plan. But that was a, definitely a moment that stands out for me. Yeah, and I think actually my other one, a um, bit of a proud moment, was when my daughter got to watch me play for the first time. Yeah, she was born in September, so then during the next year, I'd I think off, I'd surgery in January, and then so I was trying to get my way back into the side and fit. It was in Melbourne, a Melbourne game, so my family could be there as well, and my daughter at the G as well. So we got this cool photo. Awesome. With my little daughter wearing a crow's top with number 22 on the back, a photo of the MCG. That was um, a pretty cool moment, too. Yeah, super special. A couple of good highlights there. All right, we'll wrap it up, mate. Thank you for, for jumping on board and sharing us your, your journey as a player, transitioning to a coach and, and some of the interests you've had either through research or degrees that you studied. Massive amount of uh, resource for everyone that's listened today. And, that, and for those that jumped on late, make sure to watch the recording from the start because Andy's definitely provided gems all the way through this 30-minute chat. We'll wrap it up with 21, mate. What are, you, what are you excited about and what are you looking forward to for for 2021? I think, you know, I'll be involved with Box Hill again, Sam Mitchell's coaching, which I'm really excited for. And then I'll be obviously heavily involved with the AFL program. You know, we'll draft 
five or six kids next week. Me and Sam are kind of, Sam's ahead of development, Sam Mitchell, and I'll be under him. So, you know, really excited to get our hands on, you know, 20 first to four year players and really help them develop and then see them really shine. Because obviously I think there's well known, there'll be some opportunities at Hawthorne with Mm. some of the retirements and, you know, Isaac Smith leaving as well. So there's definitely a lot of areas and positions these young kids can really fight for. So I'm really excited see how the boys come back from their off-season and really attack the pre-season. You know, the last week and a bit with all the coaches, we're all really excited for um, what we've got prepared. We've got Craig McRae on board from Richmond as well. And yeah, just uh, looking forward to a normal year next year yeah. um, in the coaching world and see what a normal year looks like at Hawthorne. I've got the GM. So, exactly right. We've only got to go there once. So yeah, well, fingers crossed everything is ready for a normal season next year. Yeah, it's certainly looking that way. Well, fantastic, mate. Thanks heaps for jumping on. No worries. Thanks very much, Jack. Appreciate it, mate. Thanks, everyone that joined us. Cheers, guys. See ya. Catch you, Andy. Thanks, mate. See you, mate.